and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 187. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. I mean, this is both a good but also bittersweet episode today as we bring a brand new author into the Moonshots Library, but at the same time, we end our current series on productivity. Oh, Mark, I think um, there, are, there are no tears being shed here. I think we are so uh, productive. I think we're all champing at the bit to like unleash our energy in the right direction. And I think uh, today's author is a perfect place to do that, don't you? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Today, listeners, we are diving in to Michael Bungay Stanier, who wrote a great book, Do More Great Work, Stop the Busy Work and start the work that matters. I mean, Mike, productivity, starting the work that matters. I mean, this seems like a perfect bookend to our series, doesn't it? It does. It's a, and it's a pretty brutally direct uh, uh, title, Do More Great Work, but irrefutable nonetheless. Like That's what we're all trying to do here. And we started the series very much about managing your time, managing your energy, prioritization, clearing the decks, focus, uh, finding what you're meant to do. And in a funny way, uh, as two co-hosts, we've kind of chosen the perfect bookend to this series because mm-hmm. Michael Bungay-Steiner, he, he just brings it all together, doesn't he? That's his superpower. Yeah, he is bringing it all together. He's reminding us, as we'll find out through the show today, 187, is the illusion, I suppose, that you could you could call it, when we're up to our eyeballs, as he says, with all these different things that are going on in our lives, whether it's phone calls or meetings, whether they're virtual or real life, or answering emails or just getting notifications, it's a bit of a scramble, isn't it, Mike, to get your good work done. And I think what we're going to find out and will be revealed today with Michael is a little bit of, let's call it brutal honesty, and a little bit of uh, formation into how we can shift our focus as well as our behavior towards doing more great work. I mean, that's what I want. Yeah. And I guess the emphasis here, he's not saying do more work. Mm. He's saying do more great work. And I think this is the perfect way to bring our productivity series uh, together, I think, which is the the focus on quality, not necessary quantity. Because I think mm. we all feel a bit knackered, don't we, Mike? I think we all feel like we're working really bloody hard. So I think the emphasis should be on just doing better quality work, not necessarily more work itself, right? Well, it's funny, isn't it? We all, uh, at least there are people that I know, and I've been guilty of it too, where we sit back and say, wow, I've done a lot of work today. And your assumption is, well, that's all been great work, you know, because my definition of great is when I'm really, really busy. Hmm. But you're, you're totally right. Sometimes, well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's been good just because you've done a lot of stuff and the quantity has been very high. doesn't necessarily mean it's very, very good or even great. And yeah. I think you're right. As we will find out from Michael, it is that definition, isn't it? That definition and honesty that we've got to have as we reflect on the work that we do and how you know good to great maybe it is. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, I would even say that the sort of highly adrenalized, you know, world record, um, busyness, 
that we experience. I'm, I'm going to say I have found it almost strangely and, and not even sort of unpleasantly addictive in that mm. when you have the chance to slow down, reflect and so forth, it, it feels awkward. I'm going to go as far as saying it, you can even feel a little bit guilty. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. When you are prioritizing doing, let's say less work, but more impactful work. So the quality piece. Yeah, you're right. When I'm, when I'm not sitting there answering email after email, Slack notification after mm. Slack notification. And I think, Oh, what have I, what have I done? Well, I've certainly maybe done some deep work. Maybe I've really cracked a problem that I've been sitting on for ages but I haven't been able to answer and stay on top of my inbox. Suddenly I think, well, where's my priority? Should it be in answering 50 emails every morning or should it be actually just defining and being disciplined with myself and saying, okay, well, this is, this is the work that's going to matter. Replying right. to that email can come later. Indeed. And that's the battle we are in and, uh, Michael Bungay Stainer in his book, Do More Great Work, is going to pull together a number of big moonshots themes. He is going to illuminate the path and the most appropriate place, of course, to illuminate the path would be to talk about wombats. Everything you do falls into one of three different categories. It's either bad work, good work, or great work. Bad work, good work, or great work. And it's a model, it's a simple model, and I love models. I mean, my theory is all models are wrong, but some are useful, and I think this is a wrong, useful model, right? Okay, so bad work, good work, and great work, and what I like about this is it's kind of intuitive, right? You start to get a sense of what it is right away. So what do you think I am talking about when I say bad work? What do you think I mean? This is an interactive session, by the way, so yeah, it's like, it's not a rhetorical question. So what do you reckon? Here's more. His work, yeah. Well, his reputation does precede him, so I understand that, yeah. Bad work, what do you reckon? Laziness. Laziness, could be. Yeah, what else? Bureaucracy. Bureaucracy, now you're getting there. What else? Doesn't make you feel satisfied. Doesn't make you feel satisfied. You guys are on the right path, but you're kind of being a bit polite about it, right? Bad work is the mind-numbing, soul-sucking, life-denying, stab-myself-in-the-eye-with-a-pen-because-the-pain-doesn't-stop type of work, right? It's bureaucracy, it's pointless meetings, it's paperwork, it's processes that tangle you up. I mean, it's like it just is there. And I want to give you two ways for you to think about and remember bad work. Here's a question. Does anybody know what this animal is? A koala bear, you're on the right continent, but you're so wrong, right? Not a koala bear. What else? It's not a Tasmanian devil. It's not a wallaby. Wallabies are like baby kangaroos. It's a wombat, right? It's a wombat. And there's a reason I am showing you a wombat, okay? Apart from going, come on, people, why haven't you been to Australia and actually met a wombat? They're kind of cute. They're like, they're like small, hairy hippopotamuses, kind of, I guess. A wombat stands for a waste of money, bandwidth, and time. And I think that's actually a pretty good definition of what bad work is, waste of money, bandwidth, and time. I'll give you another way of remembering bad work. In the UK, there's a company called Richer Sounds. Very successful. They've been in the Guinness Book of World Records for years for having really high retail sales per square foot, so they know what they're doing. And they have something at Richer Sounds called 
the Cut the Crap Committee. And the job of the Cut the Crap Committee is basically to go hunting wombats. It basically says, look, in a complex organization where we try and set up rules and structures so that we stay focused on what we're trying to do, bad work just inevitably happens. It grows like weeds through the sidewalk. And the Cut the Crap Committee, they take high potential managers every year, put them on this committee, and their job is to try and eliminate some of the bad work that is just springing up around them. I mean, Mike, apart from that fantastic segue at the beginning <laughs> where our listeners maybe thought, wait a second, what's going on here? The connection between Michael Bungay, Stanier, uh, a series on productivity and wombats. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think what Michael's doing here Again, in classic Michael MBS uh, characteristic fashion, is bringing to light a pretty new idea that is uh, perhaps being honest with ourselves, which is the definition being a waste of money, bandwidth, and time as bad work. And Mark, Mark, let's, and he talked about it, it is soul sucking. And I think we've all been in those moments where we feel like what we're doing is a waste of time, money, effort, bandwidth, but it just has to be done. Mm. This is the enemy of productivity because nothing good can come of work that is sucking out your soul or it's just Mm. one big fat hairy wombat. Um, (laughs) you, You gotta call that stuff out. If you've got too much of that in your day, like I, I think Mark, like the the alert, the 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 siren that is sounding here is if you're experiencing that on a daily or weekly basis, then you have to ask yourself, what can I change so I can do more great work? Because mm. that soul sucking work, that is like bad stuff. That's is that's like smoking cigarettes. That's just like cancerous. It's not going to lead to you to a good place, is it? Yeah, and I think that's something that we all forget about. If you're doing bad work that is not rewarding or it challenges maybe your uh, values that maybe you've identified through journaling and so on, or whether it's just something that you find a bit um, dull, it it is pretty demotivating, isn't it? And I think the knock-on effect from, let's say, doing bad work, the soul sucking work mm. is you are not the best version of yourself. Maybe you are taking corners, cutting corners. Maybe you are taking it out on your colleagues. Maybe you're being a bad team player or a bad leader, or um, there's a lot of areas that I think just the simple act of doing bad work, that soul sucking work that it impacts upon is something that maybe we, we don't appreciate until it's too late. Why did my business fail? Well, I got stuck in doing the bad work, Mm. the soul-sucking work, Mm. as opposed to the reason maybe why I started the business, which is adventure, uh, entrepreneurialism, um, innovation in the space. I think you don't necessarily realize it's bad work. And I think this is what Michael's calling out to us. You don't recognize the bad work has got in the way of you doing your great work until maybe it's too late. And instead, if you are more proactive about it, you can identify it sooner. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is this is obviously this kind of work we're calling it out because I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with having work that is hard and maybe on the occasion, I mean, you say dull work, Mark. I think, you know, the reality is there's some dull work every now and then. 
Mm. I, I think what we're doing here is like, if it's happening a lot with frequency and regularity, you have to ask yourself, if you're getting into a place where this is a complete waste of time, money, bandwidth, that's next level after dull. That's just like damn bad stuff. So mm. get yourself out of that. That's the call to action uh, from uh, Bungi Stainer here. And, you know, mm. his book, Do More Work, is a call to arms. And coming up on the show, we've got like a whole, like just a, a really wonderful collection of advice, tips, frameworks and ideas on how you can do more great work. But Mark, there are people doing great work right here, right now. And there's 47 of them, isn't it? Oh my goodness, Mike. It's amazing how many uh, members have joined us since even our last show. I mean, there's, there's some great, great people out there, aren't there, Mike? So as tradition now dictates, we shall do our roll call. Now, unfortunately, Mike, we're going to have to start extending this show <laughs> as, the, as the list of members gets longer and longer. I don't think we can keep it all within an hour. But here we go. Patreon members, roll call, please, to Bob and Niles, John and Terry, Niall and Marjolin, Ken Dietmar, Tom, Marjan, Connor and Rodrigo, Yasmin, Lisa, Sid and Mr. Bonjour. Maria, Paul, Berg and Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal and Evo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara, Bob, Andre, Matthew, Eric, Abby, Jose, Joshua, jo- uh, Chris, Kobe and Damien and our brand new Patreon members, Deborah, Gavin, Lasse, Tracy, Steve, Craig, Lauren and Xavier. Whew. My, I mean, I'm feeling a little bit lightheaded there. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks goes out to Steve who sent us a lovely note as well. We really appreciate that, Steve. Also want to give out some props to Barbara, Crystal, Christian and Samuela who all uh, gave us feedback on our merch designs. We should be careful, Mark, about what we threaten to do on this show because <laughs> we did say if we got 50 members, we would launch our, our merch uh, line. And uh, well, our listeners have heard the call. They've uh, signed up, they've become members and we're only three people away. So we shared the designs, which you can uh, just check out on our social or go to our members page. And uh, Mark, I believe that we will cross the magic 50 line in the coming period. So I think we're looking at next month, month of July, uh, well, in fact, this show will be live in July. So, yeah, in July, I think we can mm. tease that we will have our official merch launch and um, they are looking mighty fine, the uh, the tease. I wonder if we should do some other things, like Mark, maybe maybe some posters or stuff because mm. I think, you know, we got some really great feedback on the design. So um, what do you think, Mark? Should we, should we maybe do a poster or two? I, th- I think a poster would suit some of those designs, but I, I've got to be honest. I think we should open it up to our to our members and our listeners. Oh yeah, yeah, what, what yeah. Do you yeah. guys think? Mm. Now we've teased the tease. Now let us know if you think that a, a poster or, or some other type of um, equipment or or release is is of interest. You know, whether it's I don't know, like I don't know what we can make. Top cups. bags, t- uh, tote bags, coffee cups. I mean. We can go a bit crazy here. So, um, but seriously, thank you to, to all our members. Very grateful for your support because it helps us pull together all of our uh, production, all of our hosting, 
all of those little bills that it uh, kind of hit us every month uh, to put this show together, and we really, really, really keen to to do the um, the traditional, uh, the classic Moonshots podcast ad free. This is not brought to you by Squarespace. It's just mm-hmm. brought to you by you because you guys are the ones that are supporting us. So thank you ever so much for your support and, um, you know, you're doing good work. Hopefully we're doing okay as well. And I think, uh, Mark, it's time to, to go back to this little masterpiece, the book, Do More Great Work. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've understood now from Michael, from one of his talks uh, at Google in 2011. Let's now hear from Michael again and actually understand the not only the definition of great work, but how it can actually light you up. So what do you reckon great work's about? Something you have a passion for, for sure. What else? You lose track of time. You've had that moment, that kind of flow moment where kind of time speeds up and slows down all at the same time. Yep, great. What else? Exactly. Love that. An effective use of money, bandwidth, and time, right? Opposite to the wombat. So that's exactly it. This is the work that you're like. When I signed up at Google, this is what I wanted to be doing, right? It's the work that lights you up. It's the work that has some meaning to you. It's the work that you care about. I mean, you know how sometimes it is when you're, you're down the pub and somebody says, okay, so we're doing the small talk thing, so what do you do? And sometimes when you get asked that question your heart sinks a little bit, right? And you're like, and then you wind up your internal PR agent and you kind of make your job look a little bit shinier than it actually is. And part of you is going, am I trying to convince them I have a really good job? Or am I trying to convince me I have a really awesome job, right? That's a good work moment. But when you're doing great work, you've got a great work project going on and somebody says, so what are you up to? And you start telling them about great work, you basically start chasing them around the pub, right? And they're sort of backing away from you going, God, dude, we're doing small talk here. Relax. Calm down. Okay? So the challenge with great work, the challenge of great work is this. People are hungry for more of it, but on the one hand, it's like you are at a crossroads. On the one hand, you have all the excitement that you're talking about with great work, the work that you care about, the work that you're proud about, the work that gets you in at work early, that work that you wake up thinking about because you're so excited about it. But at the same time, you're standing at this crossroads, there's fear as well. Because fear, because this is the new work, the different work, the work that pushes you to the edge of your own level of comfort, your own level of competence, your own level of certainty. So we have this challenge with great work. On the one hand, we want more of it because it's the work that has meaning, it's the work that has impact. On the other hand, we have this attraction and comfort with good work. Good work is like this sort of black hole that keeps pulling us back in, keeping us safe because it's comfortable and it's familiar and it keeps us busy and it makes us sense that we know what we're doing. Good is the enemy of great, Mark. Oh my gosh. And how much have we discovered doing this show together that you got to learn to get a bit uncomfortable, to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Everywhere we go, Mark, we hear this story time and time again. Life is hard. There are problems and you need to, in Yoko Willing style, learn to say problems Good. Good. Right? And here we have it. Uh, Michael Bungo Stainer is doing exactly the same thing. The stretch for great work includes hardship. So just get used to it because 
by design, we, in self-protection mode, will always err to easy over hard. Mm. We are literally, literally genetically going, don't put yourself at risk here. That's like, mm. you know, David Goggins says, when you think you are spent and you have to give up, he said there is so much on the other side of that, so much. And what we have to realize is our greatest enemy here is self-doubt. Our greatest enemy is that kicking in of, oh, I'm tired. I should really rest up now. Mm-hmm. Because that is why mediocrity is everywhere. And so few people do great work. So few people achieve greatness. And one of the core ideas in doing this is get used to the idea that it's going to hurt a bit and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. And all the great stories that we hear of people that have done amazing things on the sports field, in the office, for culture, for society, all of them have sacrificed and undergone hardship. So we cannot afford to be tricked by all these side hustle promises and like six pack abs in six seconds. That's a lie. Get used to it taking days, weeks, months, years. It can take a lifetime and that's okay. If you really do want to light yourself up, like Michael talks about, get used to the hard stuff. Is this not one of the biggest themes of our show, Mark? I mean, it's just a huge topic, isn't it? I mean, we did a deep dive into resilience back in uh, starting with Angela Duckworth uh, with Grit. Do we remember that? Uh, show mm. 146, mm-hmm. as well as Eric Greetings with Resilience and Ross Edgley, The Art of Resilience, and all of these uh, concepts, thoughts, um, spirits, I suppose you could call them. The spirit of not quitting is so essential for the success of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we covered it with Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, even all of the building blocks of being successful or driven or essentially maybe just happy is by investing in the discipline, I think it is, of not turning around when things are too hard and instead identifying that road less traveled, the path of more resistance as a productive choice Mm. because it's ultimately within your control Mm. to choose that route. Mm. And instead, if you are erring away from that slight difficulty, that good work, as Michael says, the safe work, Mm. the, let's be honest, sometimes the easy work, the thing that makes it look like you are productive because you can send 50 emails in a morning and (laughs) therefore look like you've been productive. But as we know, quantity is not necessarily quality. And I think this is where that connection between Michael with productivity, as well as resilience is really coming to life for me. Yes. And, and you mentioned Angela Duckworth, just to bring this point home, she led a team that studied 11,258 cadets at West Point, the toughest, the hardest military academy, at least in the US. And she statistically, quantitatively found that grit and determination were the most predominant factors of success, not brains, not brawn, not potential, 
hard work, resilience, staying the course, getting used to being in an uncomfortable place. And this is exactly what Michael is bringing together for us. Put your energy on things that matter. Find those things that you're meant to do so you can do more great work and know that you're actually doing well when it starts to hurt a little bit, when it's Mm. like uh, a little rough around the edges. If it was all so easy and pain-free, then everybody would be doing it and we wouldn't need this book, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think, again, to make a connection to one of our moonshot favorites, Mike, Ryan Holiday, and the uh, book he did on courage, you know, he really spoke to us around thinking of yourself as a product. Think that you are the product and therefore you need to work on yourself. This idea of habits, practical tactics, uh, as well as more mental models uh, and frameworks in order to choose to work hard and to take on challenges when they appear is right in this space, isn't it? It's again, calling out that great work is sometimes that part that's a little bit harder. We might need a little bit more stoicism or uh, personal reassurance in our own heads before taking on that, that challenge. Mm. But it's still so important that again, has existed for uh, thousands of years to look towards something that, you know, maybe you need a little bit more courage to actually go and achieve. Well, you know, just staying uh, on the relationship uh, between uh, Ryan Holiday and Michael Bungay Stainer is the other book that came to my mind. You mentioned Courage. It's Obstacle is the Way, Mm. uh, where he's basically, Ryan Holiday saying, for 2,000 years the Stoics have been saying, you know, the obstacles going through the mountain is the way. and this, this great wisdom is coming back in a very modern way for us right here, right now. And I think this is really starting to build a picture. We've got the wombat, <laughs> the waste of money, bandwidth and time, but we've also got get ready for it to be hard, right? And that's good. You know, that's Mark, good. Yeah. And Mark, sometimes there's another hard thing in life. Uh, and, you know, getting into your podcast app, so like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and leaving ratings and reviews, I know it can be a little bit hard, can't it, Mark? It can be a little bit hard, but you know what? It is great once it's been done. And as we know from all of our Moonshot members and all of our Moonshots individuals within the library, choosing that path at slightly more resistance is great. So if you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other podcast apps, pop along into the app and leave us a rating or a review because that really does help spread the Moonshots message, the Moonshots learning that we're doing every week across the world, Mike. And we've really reached quite a number of the four corners of the globe over the past uh, couple of years, haven't we? Yeah, and that's why the ratings and reviews are so important because it helps new people discover the Moonshots podcast. And a big shout out for, now this is a great username, 
Lero Rococo from France. What a fantastic name. <laughs> um, and uh, Lero said, you know, you'll hear really interesting uh, topics and and they really like how we analyze and take all these different angles and get into all the mindset stuff. So uh, Lero Rococo in En France, as they would say, uh, we really do thank you for your review. Um, that's so fantastic. And for all of you listening right now, uh, whether you're a member or not, that it costs you absolutely nothing to open up your app. So just go on and flick it open and go in, give it a thumbs up, give it a star, maybe pen a few words, um, about why you like the show, we'd really appreciate it because um, it really does help us. So get in there, do the hard work, get comfortable being uncomfortable, put yourself <laughs> out there a little bit because, Mark, we're putting ourselves out there every single week, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. And it's nice when we do hear from listeners such as Orla Aurora Coco that we're covering <laughs> topics that are interesting. And we really do try hard when we're breaking down the areas, the topics, the books, the authors, and the frameworks that we cover on the show. We do do our um, hardest to make them um, uh, valuable listens. So it's great to hear from listeners when you are uh, reflecting on the things that we do cover and you're getting value from them. So thank you very much for everybody, including La Roro Coco. There you go, Mike. I've said it enough times now. I can, I can roll us off the tongue. Thank you very much for leaving us reviews. I, th- I, I think our French listeners are having conniptions right now <laughs> at our inability to yeah. say name, but there you go. But what those Frenchies are going to love is getting into habits because we know that's a big part of the Moonshots model. We know that's what you guys love. We've done shows on people like uh, Charles Duhigg and uh, Michael actually discusses his work in one of our other favorites, that of BJ Fogg. Now, you can't move these days without somebody giving you advice. Seven steps to do this or five watsits to do that. But actually doing something with all that advice is pretty tricky. I know you've found that. And in fact, we're laboring under old stories about how best to build new habits. Here are the two I think are most pernicious. The first is, if you just do something for 21 days in a row, that's it. You're set. Or maybe this one, if you just clench your teeth and maybe your hands and maybe your buttocks really tightly and you try really, 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 really hard this time, it'll all be okay. And of course, neither of those work. So here's what I want to share with you, some 21st century science about building new habits. And here's where I'm going to start. We're half zombie. Research shows that we're operating in habit mode at least 45% of the time. That means we're on automatic. Let me explain how that happens. Imagine your brain is an egg. The yolk, you can see it there, is the conscious mind. It's brilliant. Language and creativity and strategy, they all live there. But it's got limited capacity, gets tired really quickly. Meantime, all around it is the egg white. That's your unconscious mind. And it's this that runs most of your behavior, most of our behavior. So you've got to be smart to outsmart your own brain. You have to consciously manage your unconscious patterns. Here are two of the best tactics I know to do just that. And the first one comes from Charles Duhigg. He wrote the book, The Power of Habit. And he says this, Rather than focusing only on the new behavior, become aware of the trigger that sets off the old behavior. 
Let me make this real for you. You behave like a monkey, but you want to act like a beaver. You've heard nothing but good things about Canadians, and who wouldn't want teeth that never stop growing? Just think of the money you're going to save on those dentistry bills. But even with the best of intentions, you keep defaulting to monkey behavior. And that's because you keep getting triggered by monkey context. People come up to you and go, hey, do you want to try a banana? Before you know it, your unconscious patterns kick in and you've gone ape again. It's all connected. So this is the takeaway from Doohig. When you become conscious of what triggers your old behavior, you can become mindful about replacing it with the new habit you really want. The second insight comes from BJ Fogg. He created Tiny Habits. He's an academic. And he says this, define your new habit so that it takes 60 seconds or less to complete. In other words, make it simple and clear and absurdly easy to actually do. His favorite example is this. He says after he brushes his teeth, his new habit is to floss one tooth. Now, of course, once he gets started, he normally finishes the job. And in fact, the way I try and tackle this is, I my habit is I want to sit on my meditation cushion for one minute a day. And I have to tell you, I found that far more successful and far less daunting than my first attempt at that habit, which is I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes every day. So there we go. Two strategies to start building rock solid habits. First, from Doohig, figure your trigger. Second, from Fog, define a 60 second habit. I mean, Mike, I think this is where Michael Bungay Stanier really comes into his own. He's breaking things down in such clear fashion that it's clear to me how I can try and change, you know, how I can be a little bit more focused in my day when it comes to doing great work. Yeah. And what do you, how did you process that? the whole monkey brain battle that was going on. How did you relate to that? Well, look, we, we've spoken about monkey mind before. Yes. Haven't we? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when your primal instinct, again, it, it, for me, it goes back to the idea of path of least resistance. You want to find the uh, easy route out. Route out. Um, the behavior of fight or flight can come in when something looks a little bit hard, a little bit too tricky. No, I want to protect myself. And that's okay. That's very... Um, almost monkey mind-esque, isn't it? Mm. But also the idea of getting distracted the whole time, getting um, maybe brought into things that seem productive just to get them off the list. Again, I would say is, is kind of monkey mind. So for me, what I think Michael or MBS is really calling out here is, and he's inviting us to do it, is to take ownership of that mind, mm. recognize it, See when you might be falling into that pattern. Hmm. See when you might be perhaps stepping back into an old way of thinking or behaving and suddenly you're repeating the same pattern that maybe you've had before, hmm. that monkey mind pattern. If you can recognize what perhaps has sparked that behavior, maybe it's an email, maybe it's a conversation, maybe you didn't sleep right, whatever it might be, maybe you're hungover. If you can recognize that trigger, you can then say, okay, well, I just need to be a little bit more disciplined with myself today. Maybe my monkey mind is going to start coming up to me. I need to make sure that I don't fall into the trap as I've done before. Instead, let me work on replacing that behavior, that mindset, that framework with something 
you know, a little bit more productive. What are you, what are you taking away from, from those uh, breakdowns of Doohig and Fogg that Michael did? Well, I, I did like um, sort of a slightly different angle. I mean, this was the the idea of starting small. Um, you'll remember mm. that when we did the Tim Ferriss show, that's another big thing he talks about. Like we're often burdening ourselves with massive expectation. And so when you start something new and let's say you start running and you're like, I'm going to do a marathon in a month, right? Mm. That's ridiculous. That is a path to disappointment. Mm. But maybe you start uh, your running by saying, I'll walk. Uh, each day. And then one day a week, I'll do a 3K run. And then the following week, maybe just increase it a little bit more. Um, I think the point here is if you want to start doing great work, don't make your initial objectives too big. Mm. Actually, it's a, it's almost that slight, just that slight little nudge, one degree to the left or to the right starts you on a process and then you're over delivering against expectations. Like, you know, you want to floss your teeth, you want to meditate, um, whatever it is, um, to start small and then feel the good vibes of having over delivered rather than the burden of, Oh, I've set out to climb a massive mountain here. I've got very little time. And then, you know what we abandon because it's just mm. unrealistic, right? I mean, that's really the takeaway that I have from that great breakdown by Michael into BJ Fogg, as well as the habit series that we've done, Mike. Yes. If you take on a, uh, a habit that is maybe with, uh, too far out of your reach, you know, like you say, the, the running a marathon, I think that is going to be very disappointing. And I think that's, that would fall into Michael's definition of bad work. Yeah. You know, the waste of, um, of money, bandwidth and time because and you're not necessarily giving it your all. Mm. It's important to know we're not saying don't have a big vision, don't have a big hairy audacious goal, but how you frame that in your goals for the week or for the day, start incredibly mm. small, start incredibly small. And then it's easy to outperform, right? Beat expectations. How good is that? Well, yeah, I, th I think that's actually quite a good call out. Mm. If you set, set a small one minute a day on your meditation cushion, or as we've spoken about before with journaling, write one word a day, there you go. Uh, then you, you're always going to be maybe a little bit surprised or, or even pleased with how far you get. Because like Michael says about BJ Fogg doing the one tooth of flossing a day, you end up doing the whole job anyway. Exactly. And then you feel good. I mean, again, it's making your bed every morning. By, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and it's all part of that theme of just continuous improvement and the desire to work on yourself. And this is exactly what Michael is discussing with a couple of other chaps here on the Moonshots podcast. Now I'm starting with Dan Coyle. He's the author of The Talent Code and The Little Book of Talent. And these are both great books worth picking up. Coyle got curious about why some places in the world seem to be hotspots for talent. From the Bronte sisters in Yorkshire to Ross, Russia and Moscow for women's tennis. From the Z boys in California and their skateboarding. They'd probably be called the Z boys if they were in Canada. To soccer players in Brazil. 
Now, Coyle figured out that one of the secrets to building talent is deep practice. And he says that one minute of deep practice is, in effect, more useful than just 10 minutes of regular practice. I reckon also, to use a metaphor here, that's why espresso will always trump a regular cup of coffee. That said, I am a bit of a coffee snob. So we've got deep practice. It's focused, it's intense, and when you're in deep practice, you're wrapping myelin around your neural pathways. Myelin works like insulating tape. So these neural pathways are deeper, and they're sharper, and they're faster, and they're more effective. You work better when you've got more myelin. So what is deep practice? Well, there are three steps to it. Step one, chunk things down. Break down the process you're practicing into the smaller steps possible. So for instance, in tennis, you don't want to practice your serve. What you want to practice is just that one step of throwing the ball up in the air and truly mastering that as a habit. The second step is repetition and repetition and then repetition and then repetition. And, you know, it's not just repeating the same thing over and over again. You want to try things out. You want to slow it down. You want to speed it up. All of this is to get us to that third step of deep practice, which is when you learn to really feel success. You want to get a sense of when it's working and when it's working well. I imagine it's like if you're a gymnast and you really stick the landing or maybe a diver. And when you enter the water without a splash, it's that feeling that you're really trying to get in your bones. So that's deep practice from Dan Coyle. But now I want to introduce you to another smart man, Leo Babauta. He is the guy behind the Zen Habits blog. Now, I've actually shared a cup of tea with Leo. That's me name dropping. And I have to tell you, he is actually as nice in person as you might expect from his writing. And he's got a ton of great posts on the Zen Habits blog worth checking out. But here's the the one thing that I've truly taken from Leo, and it's one of the reasons why your New Year's resolutions die so horribly year after year after year. We just try and take on too much. We try and, at the same time, lose weight and exercise more and eat more healthily and talk to the ones that we love more often and watch less TV and, and, and it goes on. This is, in fact, why January 21st is considered the most depressing day of the year. Not only do you get the credit card bill of December's excess, but that's when you finally give up on all these resolutions yet again. So Leo Singh, one thing at a time. Focus your time and energy and effort on one thing. You know, imagine your new habit as a a delicate seedling. You want to plant it. You want to embed it. You want to water it. You want to care for it. You want to watch and see it grow and grow strong. Give it a chance to truly take root by giving it your attention. Mike, I mean, these are great little tips, aren't they? They very, they feel to me achievable. I think Mm. that's, again, the strength of, of Michael here. He's breaking down these big frameworks, big thoughts, big habits, big tips into ways that I feel are quite, uh, comprehensible and actionable. And I think that's really the whole point, isn't it? It's breaking down into secret, uh, sorry, into small steps, one thing at a time, as we were just hearing, <laughs> and then making them into a daily habit. I mean, what, yeah. are you, what are you taking from him there? So it reminds me so much of James Clear Atomic Habits that mm. habits are, are not like a program for a short period of time. They really are a lifestyle, aren't they? 
It's a total lifestyle. You have to stick with it. You have to reflect on it. You have to, again, take ownership of it, right? Exactly. And um, be prepared to just grind it out. Um, You know, something we've come up that has come up a lot is this idea of compound interest, that it's Mm. repeating the same stuff day after day, getting 1% better every day. And it might feel small in the moment, but it'll only be upon reflection. You go, damn, wow. I kind of mastered that or that's kind of going really well now. And I only just started this like six months ago or 12 months ago. I think, um, we can be a victim not only of self-doubt but unrealistic expectations is on the other side of that, right? That we all think snap of a finger and it's done, right? Well, I think what was really interesting about, uh, I believe it was Mark Manson with the subtle art of not giving out, <laughs> um, which was his idea, uh, and I think it's, it's spot on with exactly what you were just building there, Mike. Um, through uh, those small steps, through practice, through hard work, is the way, the pathway to talent, to success. Mm. It is not necessarily something where you wake up one day and you can sing like, um, I don't know, a very good singer, Andrew Pacelli. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someone more contemporary, uh, Mike. Uh, you, You know, talent and success is the product of that discipline and that hard work. When you've got somebody... Uh, like any of the individuals we cover on the Moonshot Show, what we're learning from them is things don't just get handed to you. You know, Joe Rogan was saying it as well. Mm-hmm. Through, uh, again, it's going back to the idea of resilience, isn't it? Through the idea of working hard, you get your values, you figure out your behavior, your framework to success, but also you go that level deeper and you start to become more talented because you've put in that practice and hard work. And I think that's really specifically what we're hearing from Michael with regards to Dan Cole, you know, putting in the practice and the hard work. But I think it's true across uh, any of the productivity series as well. Putting in the time, putting in the hard work is that secret to getting success. What do you think? I, th- I think that if you're listening to this show, Mark, I think you you want to be better. And I think the greatest deconstruction we can do for our listeners right now, based on the work of Michael Bungay Steiner is really find the work you're meant to do. Make sure you're ready for some, some hard times in realizing your dreams and ambitions. And the single best manifestation is your habit system, right? What stuff are you doing every single day to make yourself better? Is it getting to bed early? Is it your diet? Is it exercise, sleep, meditation, reflection, whatever it is, time blocking, managing yourself, managing your calendar, reflecting on what's working, asking for feedback, whatever it is, work on yourself. And do that through your habits. I think the habit is the greatest vehicle that we have because mm. as we learn from Michael Bungay Sena, which I think is really amazing, is that almost half of what we do is done subconsciously and habits are subconscious coming to life, right? Yeah, I think you're totally right. Well, if you can develop those habits into uh, behaviors and practice, it does become subconscious, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, again, with Robert Sharma and the 5am club, even though you might not need to wake up at five every day, if you start to put in that practice, that habit, 
it becomes that little bit easier, doesn't it? Again, going back to your example with the with the marathon, you're not going to wake up one day and go out and do it. Instead, it's going to be small, steady increments that then ladder up to a huge benefit at the end, which is maybe completing that marathon mm. or going out and doing something that you never thought possible. And I think what Michael's calling out here with Do More Great Work is he's sort of inviting us to say, right, I want to build those great habits. I want to uncover and understand how I can go out and do better work, great work in this case. And it really does start with working on yourself, doesn't it? Yep, it, it really does. Let's do a quick, uh, before we play our last clip, let's do a, a fun little game. Let's do our f- top five habits that just come to mind. So, Mark, hit me with your first one. If you had to say, if you, if, if, I want you to imagine that you're, you're sitting with a bunch of high school students and they say, Mark, what are the top yeah. five things, top five habits that have led to your success? You would say, drum roll, number one. Exercise every day. I love it. Concur. Ding. Next one, number two. I would say uh, reflect on yourself. Every day. Journal every day. Journal every day. Number two. Very good. Ding. I would say stretch and, Ooh. and roll. Ooh. Something that, that again brings to life your body. Oh, I like that one. That's good number mm. three. Ding. Number four, I would say do something each day that scares you or something that you don't really enjoy. <laughs> Ooh. Whether it's a cold shower or maybe it's being exposed to a new idea. Maybe it's yes. looking something else. Uh, to, to in, in order to help you learn something. That's a, good um, num- that's a good one for number four. Ding. And then I think number five, Mike, is do something that makes you happy each day. Hey. It could be seeing a beautiful view or having a great cup of coffee or picking up the phone and having a conversation with, with somebody that y- you get inspired by. That, that I think would be my, my five. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. I did, oh, I, I did use my Todoist app to, uh, to look at my daily habits. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got mine in, in here as well. What are my dailies? Okay. So um, I'm, I I'm going to try and pick some that are a bit different to yours, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Let, 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 I'm going to go a little bit... Uh, on a, on a, on a different tangent here. Okay. So, I mean, I, I do most, I think maybe even all of the things that you said, or I, I try to, at least, I think, um, I'm going to start with listening to a new song every single day. Mm. I just want to hear something that I've not heard before to expand my mind. Right. I like that. I really, really like that. So that's one from me. Um, we talked a lot about, um, you, you mentioned there, you know, stretching and journaling, something that's a kind of has a benefit on both of those sides is breathing exercise. I love the four, seven, eight uh, breathing mm-hmm. exercise. Just breathe in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. Very good at, at just getting you present. Um, obviously, meditation. Not the earth. It doesn't come easily to me, Mark. Mm, no. <laughs> Monkey mind is running around like crazy. Um, 
but I, I, I love a good um, meditation. Another habit is listen to understand, ask questions before giving answers. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one, which I find very powerful, is to start every single day as if it's a brand new life. Oh, that's an interesting one. All right. You know how golfers, they have a bad uh, hole and then they kind of fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> I think we do that in life. We have one oh, bad I totally day, agree. Yeah. right? And yeah. we just fall apart. Well, imagine if you could develop a practice of saying, today is brand new. Mm. I don't care how good or bad yesterday was. Today's just brand new. I'm going to make the most of it. I, think oh, that's I like nice, that one too. That's a nice That's habit. nice. Yeah. I try. That's what I try to do. That's um, a nice one. I like yeah. that build. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, look, I think a, a nice build um, would be not only hearing from Michael Bungay-Stainer, but also one of our favorite YouTube channels, which is Brian from Optimize. And here we're very lucky. We have both of them talking about the big, the magical three. Tell me how you define courage and why you think it's such an important part of this process of discovering our great work? Yeah, these are great questions, Brian. Thank you. Um, so I say with to do great work, you need three component parts, three characteristics. You need focus, which we've talked about, focus on who I am and focus on where are the opportunities. We need courage and we need resilience. Focus, courage, and resilience. Focus is that seeking to understand what your great work is and where the opportunities might be. Courage is the willingness to take the first step and then the next step and then the next step on that because starting to do great work starts to challenge your regular life, your regular sense of yourself, your regular relationship to other people. Starting to do great work will inevitably, along with all the good times, those moments of being in flow and feeling like you're really committed to something brilliant, it will also create resi- uh, resistance and disappointment in other people. Mm-hmm. And when I go like this, you can tell when you're doing good work because everybody's happy. If you're doing great work, somewhere someone is a little disappointed, a little pissed, a little upset, a little let down. Mm-hmm. Because what you've done is you've said, I'm saying yes to this. And if I'm truly saying yes to this, if it's a strong yes, I must say no to this. Mm. And, and so many of us kind of hedge our bets. It's like, I'm going to say yes to this kind of, so I can kind of keep saying yes to as many other things as, as possible because I don't really want to let anybody down. Mm-hmm. Part of this is like, damn it, I'm just going to say yes to this. I'm going to have the courage to understand the implications of that. Mm-hmm. And say no as a byproduct, have the courage not to ask you to say no because I have that deeper yes planted. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And, um, and yeah, and that, that takes a certain amount of bravery. Yep. You know, you, people have heard me talk about my, my, my mastermind group. And in fact, I've got two, one here in Toronto and, um, uh, 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 one that meets in a different way scattered around the West coast. Um, and, uh, quite frankly, one of the key, key components for all of us in, in these mastermind groups is less focused because we most of really got a sense of what we're working on and what's important but it's courage and resilience, courage to be bold about taking the step, resilience because we all get to these points where we're like, I give up. Yep. <laughs> it's too hard. Yep. I lie down and have a little sleep now because this is <laughs> right? 
And it's that willingness to go, I'm not going to be brokenness by this. I'm going to bend and I'm going to bounce back and I'm going to go, I can keep going. Mm. But one of the ways you keep going, one of the ways you build resilience is through your relationships. I think, mm. you know, you talk about, you talk about your relationships a lot and the importance of um, your wife and now your, your, your child in your life. And I think one of the things that builds resilience is having those nourishing relationships. And I could say the same about my wife, you know, she is part of the reason I keep going is that, you know, she hugs me when I need to be hugged and she kicks my ass when I need to be kicked. It's all good. <laughs> the triumvirate, Mike, focus, courage, and resilience. I mean, if there were ever three areas to <laughs> cover on the Moonshot show, <laughs> I think Michael, MBS, and Bungai Stanier has called them out, right? Yeah, in one show he's done what it's taken us 186 <laughs> shows to get to. How hilarious is that? <laughs> Uh, but I think he's right, you know, and again, it comes down to the lessons we have learned on habits, first of all, as well as the areas that we've really uncovered within the rest of the series on productivity, this confidence or courage to really focus on, uh, let's say one thing at a time, let's be as David Allen was calling out, uh, finding that stress-free productivity, the hyper-focus, you know, I feel like Michael's really pulling us uh, all together and closing it up. What do you think? I couldn't have wrapped up the show better. I couldn't have wrapped up what we're all about better. I think it's so wonderful that we've had the chance not only to understand what we should do, but what we shouldn't do. I mean, it is, it's really a special piece of work. And I, I'm keen to know, Mark, if there was one thing that you're going to work on having listened to Michael Bunge Stainer today, what would it be? I, you know what, actually, this is, this is quite a tough one because I think all of the areas have been really, really valuable and have compartmentally or compoundly uh, built upon one another. But I do like the wombat. I think <laughs> <Same>. the acronym <laughs> of waste of money, bandwidth and time, that, that's fun. Mm. I, I think that's, that's a nice build. What, what about you? Which one's I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, Mark. I mean... <laughs> As as I'm an Australian and you're a Brit living in Australia, I feel that we can only hold on to one of our, our national treasures, which is the wombat. And for our listeners, uh, I'm sorry this is not a video podcast because we'd be able to show you what a wombat looks like, but they're, they're pretty <laughs> cuddly old things uh, and very unique to Australia. Well, Mark, thank you ever so much uh, for helping me uh, decode somebody who has really encapsulated the spirit of the Moonshots podcast. And thank you to you, our listeners. This was show 187, where we heard so much good stuff from Michael Bungestainer and his tome, Do More Great Work. And it started indeed with Australian animals, the wombat, waste of time, money, and bandwidth. If you're on that path, you're on the wrong path, we need to be going on the right path where you light up. And that means get ready for the hard stuff and define your habits. Work on yourself. Take small steps, repeat them, and really acknowledge and capture when it's working and what's working. Do this and you'll be ready to embody three great characteristics, three things that will help you be the best version of yourself. Focus, courage, and resilience. 
This is what we're all about here on the Moonshots Podcast. We love learning out loud together with you, our listeners, and our members. We are so grateful for you joining us on this journey to be the very best version of yourself. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap.